Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. This meeting of the Movie Council is now in session. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Movie Council podcast. I am Tim Sherry. I am your host. We are back. Your boys are back. We are looking at episode 49, a felt pen, a fucking black magic marker. (laughs) (laughs) I I think some people are going to... Yeah, later on, a lot of people will understand where I was going with that one once we get into our topic, because we're going to have a really fun night. It's AJ's choice. He's got a great topic we're going to get into, a real deep one. So we're going to see how this goes tonight. We're going to try to try to behave ourselves, but it, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, and uh, But before we get to that, we, of course, have to do our introductions. Let's, let's, of course, start off with my big bro, the COO, the co-founder, my, my Novak Djokovic, my my Ashley Barty, my John Rom, whatever the fuck it is when you're number one in your field, this man is that for being a movie guy, whatever that means, okay? Uh, he is my, again, my big bro, the very, uh, the very handsome, the very, it's uh, a good word for AJ, mysterious, the very mysterious Mr. Andrew Sherry. What's up, man? How are you? <laughs> Dick, 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 dick. How many dicks is that? <laughs> I'm doing great. Yeah, that's another another uh, prelude to tonight. So looking forward to our topic tonight very, very much. I've been on vacation. By the time this airs, I'll be done with vacation, but uh, currently on vacation. Oh, boy. Um, oh, boy. Just relaxing. I feel like I'm on, on vacation. vacation. Yeah, I'm, I, got, I was on vacation. Next thing, I got thrown out of a fucking window. Right? But, <laughs> but uh, AJ, I feel like you've been on vacation for like what a while now. Do you, uh, do, do just you for something or just, no, 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 just for a week. Nothing, not, nothing oh, okay. serious is going right. on. It's just All taking right. a week off. You know, right. that's well, it. We're going to get back to you, AJ, in uh, in just a couple of minutes because we got some things to do. Of course, we have to finish the introductions. But like, I oh, oh, by the way, yeah, uh, our Instagram. Is uh, picked up some followers. Things yep. are starting to go. Yeah, uh, we're starting to get some activity and stuff. So, feeling good at Movie Council Pod on Instagram. Um, yeah, things are looking right. up. Yeah, things right. are looking up. Can I just say real quick too? We got um, uh, um, a message, a DM from a gentleman named Kevin Dwayne, who has a podcast called the Actors Process Podcast. Yes, and he just sent us a message with. Uh, the, a picture of the front of the movie Clue and then the clapping emoji. I yeah. don't know what that means, but I like it. That's yeah, all I know. Yeah. I just I just know I like clapping it. It seems like, like he's together, like it, no, 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 no. Well, it's a clap, but it's, it's like an applause. Yeah, because he's oh, got okay, like, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. like the emo- yeah. It, it, it's uh, he he's a fan of Clue apparently. Yes, that's uh, what it appears to be. Yeah, so Kevin, uh, anytime you want to send us uh, a little more, if you want to get into anything, you want to talk to us, feel free. And uh, that goes for any of our, our, our followers. Send us messages, send us emails. Yes. Um, we will read them on the air. That is the rule of this podcast. If you send us something, no matter what it is, we will read it on the air. So uh, so yeah, definitely um, uh, uh, 
God, again, guys, I'm sorry. I'm high again this week. I'm, I'm going to be really honest with everybody. I'm doing my best, but uh, yeah, please follow us on Instagram. Um, also subscribe to the podcast, please. It, it really helps us. Yes. Uh, rate, review, do anything you can. If you love us, let us know and let, uh, let the whole world know. So uh, AJ, we're going to get back to you in a couple minutes. Let me kick this on over to my ex former social media mogul. <laughs> he is now um, my uh, chief boy toy he is a producer and he is also uh recently uh i'm gonna spoil this for him now he is wants to be called daddy mm. mr dan sherry how are you hey daddy is doing well <laughs> oh, God. i just want daddy so i can refer to myself in the third person as daddy i will call, call you daddy creep all day out. long yeah <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I think I'm actually going to retire as the chief boy toy and just just focus on my producing duties mm. for, from here on out. So, OK. All right. Well, but, you know, know, yeah, you know, um, get with HR I, and fill out the necessary paperwork. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do. OK, so I'm uh, doing well. Uh, I'll, like AJ said, you know, we're uh, on Instagram at Movie Council Pod. Our email is Movie Council Pod at Gmail. So send us some emails as well. And uh, last week, last week I we had a couple mistakes that I just I, I just want to fix. We we gave some bad information, or uh, I gave some bad information. Yeah, uh, so we, what is this we shit? Hey, hey, uh, well, it, 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 all right. So the movie Free Guy that uh, I brought up last week, and I said Taika yes. YTD was directing. Taika is just a co-star. He, uh-huh. He's not directing it. He, he's a co-star in it. So fucking that. liar. <laughs> yeah. How do you gotta get my um, hopes like that? Yeah. C- Casino Royale, not the first Bond movie. It was the first Bond book that Ian Fleming wrote. And that movie from the 60s where David Niven played James Bond wasn't a real Bond movie. It was like a spoof. Like huh. I looked into it, like Peter Sellers is in it, and this David Niven guy, and it's kind of it's a comedy spoof of james bond movies called casino royale Mm. so yeah technically david niven played james bond but not in the canon of james bond how did you catch this did somebody call you out and call you a dumbass uh no i just i just googled it oh okay yeah (laughs) how did you know how did you know to google it though i didn't because uh we were talking about it last week or i you know i was thinking about it like i could have sworn Casino Royale, like the Daniel Craig one, was the first Casino Royale movie. So I, I thought so too. Into it and, yeah, right. so the things that keep Daniel up at night. Yeah, yes. if anything, yes. we we are, if nothing else, very accurate here at the Movie Council podcast. We don't ever make shit up. Um, we just straight yeah, facts all the time. Yeah. Nor do we ever slander anybody. No, anything like that we're all very, we're very very nice people here right yeah. yeah always right down the middle no bias at all right <laughs> a nice clean family podcast that's, that's all right. it is every week yeah. we definitely uh don't drop the c-bomb which i i, I let's I'll be stay. honest I've, I've i've done i've done better recently dp i think we both have i'd like to reach out to hr and see if they've noticed a difference in in, in our language yeah hit that cunt up and find out there it is and we'll be hearing from her next week anyways guys are you ready let's swing it on down to charlotte we're gonna talk to my boy the very handsome the very debonair the very uh beautifully bearded the very 
sultry, sexy, smooth talking, southern gentleman, Mr. Market Bound Around. What's up, man? How you doing? Good. Thank you. As always, much appreciated. Debonair, isn't that typically reserved for someone that's like, I don't know, I picture someone that's got like, uh, you know, uh, pomade in their hair and uses a comb to slick it back. Yeah, actually very James Bond-like, I would say, yeah. actually, now that we bring it up, it's very debonair. I haven't trimmed my beard in a month and I'm starting to look like a homeless person. I don't mm. know. I mean, I'll take it, but I don't know if that necessarily applies to me. But much appreciated. Thank you. I'll keep it. Listen, Daddy likes no takes boys these boys I mean, I mean, oh shit! Sorry, I just called myself Daddy. DP, it's it's it is just wearing. Yeah, let me. Or I'll do. I'll just edit this. Daddy likes his boys hairy. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy! Well, I'm happy to have everybody. I'm happy. Uh, it is the weekend. Like we always talk about, we record on Friday nights. You might not hear this till Monday. Uh, so we are letting loose tonight. We're gonna have a good time. AJ, we just indulge me for just just a minute. I want to do one thing before we get into your topic. And again, it's a deep topic, so we, we got to get there. But I just want to um, do this real quick. Last night, uh, did anybody watch Jeopardy last night? I, did I missed not. it. Okay. So yeah. I wasn't even watching it. I happened to stroll into the living room and it was on the TV in the living room. And there was uh, the category for final Jeopardy was 1970s movie scenes. Hmm. Okay. And I want to, I want to know if anybody's going to get this one. Cause I got it. And I was very happy. You ever like, you ever get final Jeopardy? And you think you're the smartest fucking person. On the oh, world. this was the final one. The right in answer. Oh yeah. Like you, you oh, wow. just, you're it's, it's like, you just, you just want a championship. It's like a celebration involved. I, I've never had that feeling. It's so sadly. rare on Jeopardy, but well, you might hear Mar Marky. Uh, I just want to read you guys. See if anybody's going to get this one. Okay. 1970s movie scenes. This was final Jeopardy. Writer Dan O'Bannon based a scene in this film on its own Crohn's disease, which felt like things inside him fighting to get out. Dan O'Bannon based a scene in this film on its own Crohn's disease, which felt like things inside him fighting to get out. 1970s. What is Alien? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I was just thinking that. Not a boy, AJ. It was Alien. Uh, and actually, Marky, to be honest, before I started doing this podcast, I really wasn't into the Alien movies. I wouldn't have got that shit. But yeah. I, I've watched the Alien movies now, and, and I got it. I felt like I was the smartest man on Earth because... <laughs> First of all, only two of those dipshit contestants made it into Final Jeopardy on this particular night, and one of them got it wrong. The guy nice. that won forty-one thousand dollars in the to, to win the game, he got it right. So I felt like I was kind of on his level. Did the other guy put an answer in? Do you remember what uh, he did? Yeah, the other one put in The Exorcist, which I thought oh. was a decent guess. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, not a bad guess. Not a bad guess at all. Still, still got absolutely waxed by the returning champion. Anyways. All right, we are going to move into our topic tonight. It is AJ's turn. AJ, I'm going to turn this over to you. Just have at it. Okay. So what I wanted to do, and so in case new listeners are listening, which I, I assume they are, uh, but if you've listened to us enough, you know that we kind of go around week to week. We each pick a topic. Um, we take turns. So what I wanted to do was do sort of a three-part thing three-part episode so tonight then the three weeks or four whatever it is but the next time i go and then the time after that and just because it's obvious to talk about this doesn't mean it's not a good idea but because we haven't really we've talked about some of these films but we haven't really delved into one of the great great filmmakers of our generation quentin tarantino mm -hmm. so i wanted to take 
and I wanted to give it enough um, space. So I wanted to do three episodes because I don't think you could talk about the career of Quentin Tarantino in the hour 40, the hundred minutes plus whatever that we have um, on our episodes to talk about him. So what I wanted to do tonight is start with his early works. Uh, I'll give you, I mean, every, people probably know is a bit, a bit about him, his early days biography a little bit, but I'll give that first. And then I just wanted to kind of have an open discussion about his early works, meaning his directorial debut Reservoir Dogs in 1992 through um, Jackie Brown 1997. And we'll kind of, we'll cap it there. And then the next episode, we'll move into the 2000s with Kill Bills and um, the Grindhouse uh, uh, Death Proof, the Grindhouse uh, double feature he did with Robert Rodriguez, and then and, and on and on. And we'll do, the third episode will be his more recent works. Um, so that's what I wanted to do tonight. And I thought, you know, we all like, we all love Quentin Tarantino. Um, so I, I hope Marky just oh, can't. No. <laughs> no, <laughs> we all we all love Quentin Tarantino. So I yeah. figure this is a good time to like just let's talk about him in, in depth. We Let's have talked it. about Pulp Fiction um, in our original screenplay episode. We did talk a bit about Inglorious Bastards, and we touched on it during the Villains Tournament and um, Django Unchained because we had, um, you know, two villains in there, for, one from each of those movies. But we didn't really get into the the, the directing or the, the, the films too, too, too deep. Mm-hmm. So I want to get into to Quentin tonight. You got you got you guys interested in that? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah man, I'm ready. I did my homework. Are we gonna cool. start? Are we, cool. are we gonna do it? It sounded like you just fired yeah, it sounded like you just fired something up. Oh, it did. Sorry. <laughs> are we uh gonna just go straight chronological so I, order? Yeah, so I'm just gonna talk about you know, he was born March 27, 1963 in Knoxville. Um, he was raised by a single mom. His dad left before he was born. Um, they moved to California when he was four. Uh, then after he dropped out of high school, he worked uh, in an adult film theater for a while before he landed a job at this place called Video Archives in Manhattan Beach, California. That's where he met Roger Avery. Now, if you look at some of the credits on his films, Roger Avery has some um, writing, shared writing credits with him. So also has some, uh, some uncredited stuff. Uh, okay. I think uh, True Romance maybe was uncredited, but he also helped write that story. Real quick, um, that um that last job you said he was at was that some sort of uh, just a was video, video archives? Store? It was a video store, some kind of yeah. video, the it rental was, store, I believe. He was a video store clerk. It was sort of like Blockbuster, which I don't know if you guys know this or not, mm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. AJ used to work at a Blockbuster. I did. I did. I did. So did actually, I have a so lot did, in common so with Quentin Tarantino. I did. Yeah. So did DP. <laughs> but during, uh, so anyway, during, I did. And so did DP. And it was, there were and glorious. Rachel and our favorite listener. Yeah. Also. Rachel did. Yeah. Yeah. But during his time at this uh, video archives, uh, he did, he started working on his screenplays, um, including True Romance, and um, started uh, conceiving the story for Natural Born Killers. Um, and then in 1990, he left there and got a job at this place called Cinetel, which is a production company. He was there that he was able to um, 
get his script for True Romance into the hands of uh, Tony Scott, the director, the late director. And uh, he liked it and bought it, the rights, I think, for about $50,000. And then he eventually, and then Quinn eventually worked with uh, producer Lawrence Bender, secured funding once uh, um, he, they ended up getting about $1.5 million, I think, because Harvey Keitel came on as a producer, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Um, and so then he was able to secure funding for Reservoir Dogs, which premiered at Sundance in 1992. Now, it was like the talk of Sundance. It was crazy, like popular, but it didn't win any awards at Sundance. <laughs> it's just, it was the talk of Sundance, but didn't win anything. And, and I guess there was a lot of, during the year cutoff scene, there was a lot of walkouts. People walked, they couldn't, they couldn't deal with it. Probably think fam- fam- the- famously. Famously, yeah. Wes Craven walked out on it or something. Oh, shit. Yeah, something like that. I have in mind exactly which point the most people walked out during that mm-hmm. film. Yeah, when, he, when, when, when Blondie's cutting off the ear. That's so Blondie's yeah. cutting off the ear, yeah. Um, they wanted to cut that part out. Um, but Quentin, yeah. Quentin fought hard for that to keep it in. Yeah, it's, uh, it's funny, though, the, 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 the cool dance that, um, that Michael Madsen does. <laughs> They're stuck in the middle. They're stuck in the middle. I think the script just says dances around maniacally or something. (laughs) And that's what he did. But, you know, anyway, so, so that he, so obviously he, you know, his premiere was Reservoir Dogs. And then a year later, that, that script that he had optioned, uh, I forget what production company put that out. Um, True Romance with Tony Scott directed came out a year later, uh, the next year. I don't know if it was exactly a year later, but the next year. And then uh, Pulp Fiction in 1994 was his next film. And three years later, he directed Jackie Brown. Uh, he also directed a scene in uh, the movie Four Rooms, which was not received well by critics, but uh, at all, actually. If you look at Rotten Tomatoes, it's about 14%. DP? Yeah, can I just say something real quick about that whole uh, you know, true romance coming out a year later? In Reservoir Dogs, they actually bring up the character of Alabama from really? True Romance. Yeah, remember uh, Joe there is asking Harvey Keitel about his partner, Alabama? Oh, oh. yes. And he's yes. like, yeah, she's a good girl. She's a good thief. That yes, is it. Alabama yes, yes, from yes, fucking yes. True Romance. Yes. I did <laughs> so not put is, that together. So yeah. there are some shared universe things or references, say. To, references to people from film to film, um, you know, which we touched on a bit. Uh, last week with the Viewisk universe is a lot of like references to other people in, in the films and not so not as much in Quentin Tarantino's films, but it's there. Yeah. And uh, uh, it's great when it happens because those that are, you know, really pay attention to Quentin Tarantino will pick them up right away. Mm-hmm. But I guess, yeah, to market Marky, to your point. Yeah. I kind of want to kind of go in order and talk about, you know, those three films in particular that he directed in the nineties and we can touch on True Romance, and, and we can touch on True Romance because I love that movie. By the way, I rewatched it today, and it it totally holds up. <laughs> it's still great. It, it it's uh it's a frenetic pace that film. It's like boy meets girl, boy uh, goes to uh you know pimp to get her stuff, steals the drug, kills the pimp, steals the drugs, and flees cross country. Like it's just this fast paced fun movie, Marky. Uh, earlier, you mentioned Natural Born Killers. I wasn't aware that Quentin Tarantino had any involvement on that. What was his part for that? He 
co-wrote the story with a couple other people, including director oh, no. Oliver Stone. No idea. Yeah. So I don't know specifically what point of the story uh-huh. he was involved in. Like, was it whether he conceived the story or whether he was involved in the writing throughout? I don't know 100%. I, I don't know 100%, but from what I remember hearing was like, he, he wrote the story and then when it was optioned and Oliver Stone started making it, he did not like the direction Oliver Stone was taking it and tried to like kind of remove his name from it because he didn't like what he was doing with it. Okay. From what I've heard, I, I could be wrong. You know, you hear shit over the is years. Is his name, does it, does it come up on like it, the it does on credits, IMD. closing credits? I don't know about the credits. It's definitely on IMDb. Is okay. is credited writer? Yeah. I was gonna say I've watched yeah. that movie a dozen times. I've never. I don't remember ever seeing Quentin Tarantino's movie like yeah. written on screen. It's very like True Romance is very prominent, written by Quentin Tarantino. Yes. Like it's very prominent. Um, but I guess I just want to like just start talking about his films, starting with Reservoir Dogs, and obvi- And I think like the themes of his '90s films are very like crime-based the oh, yeah, crime-based yeah. films the very oh, yeah you know, jackie brown reservoir dogs true romance um and pulp fiction, pulp fiction just yeah, all very uh that got that criminal mm-hmm. element that in different ways right reservoir dogs about a jewelry heist gone wrong with a with a with an undercover cop uh causing a lot of trouble um and then pulp fiction's about a couple uh hitmen and the things that go on in their their life and yeah. then Jackie Brown's, you know, about a, a, an arms dealer and uh, who is, has a stewardess like running money across from Cabo to him. And then she gets caught by the ETF and the whole thing. And there's a sting and all that. It's all it's all crime based. But I want to start with Reservoir Dogs. See where we take it from there. Um, Reservoir Dogs. uh is like I said, uh, starring Harvey Keitel, Tim Roth, Michael Madsen, Steve Buscemi, um, Lawrence Tierney, and uh, Chris Penn, brother of Sean Penn. It's about a jewelry heist. Bunch of guys that, oh, and Quentin Tarantino also is in it. <laughs> a decent sized role in it. Marky? Um, real quick, I've got something else to say, but real quick, you said that uh, Chris Penn was brother of Sean Penn. Had no idea, never knew that. <laughs> um, I also wanted to ask you guys, you know, I don't know, uh, how you could really, uh, not quantify, but how you could really measure this question, but the way, you know, everyone knows reservoir dogs, um, the way that the story is told with it jumping all over the place on the timeline, how often, as far as you guys know, had that been done before or was Tarantino like really kind of the first doing it to that effect i don't know that he was the first doing it i think he did something a little bit unique in pulp fiction that was um with the with the chronological order and then there were some others that started playing with that you know but reservoir playing with that he does um he does like these flashbacks basically i guess okay maybe yeah it's been a little bit that i uh since i've seen it i didn't watch it this week in my mind i was uh remembering it kind of more of the caliber of Pulp Fiction. So um, you have it, you have the scene at the beginning when they're in the diner uh-huh. and you don't really know much about these guys. They're just these anonymous guys sitting at a diner having these conversations with each other. 
they pay, you know, they, they have their breakfast, they pay the bill, then they, they come walking out, you get the opening credits, and then you fast forward to what appears to be after the crime has taken place yeah. <laughs> and they're in the car. Harvey, Ke- Harvey Keitel's character is driving the car. Tim Roth's character is now a bloody mess in the backseat. He took a shot to the gut. Don't know how he got that. And they're, they're, they're traveling to a safe house. Yeah. And then you kind of, you pick it up from there, which is re- I think is a really cool way to start the film. You pick it up from there, and then they start layering in the flashbacks. That's and you start, right. And you start to meet um, with the different characters, and you start to meet, and then start to understand how the heist got put together, who's in charge, who's running things, why they're calling each other by these Mister Pinks, Mister Whites. Like oh, you start to understand this through these flashbacks, and then eventually, and the flashbacks don't end; they just keep coming throughout the film. Once you start to learn more about these characters in the present time, like you learn that what, which one is the cop. And then they flash back to his, how he got the job and his whole lead up to it. So, um, so the, story, think- the, the story is, yeah, I, I, I do remember now more. So in Pulp Fiction, it's a, a sequence of flashbacks, essentially that build the background of the story. Cause in Reservoir Dogs, yes. In, uh, the, in essence, the, um, the, the main plot isn't very long or doesn't have much to do it, right? It's, no, 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 no. They, they get to the safe house. They, they, they eventually start to put the pieces together that there's somebody, there's a rat amongst them. Yeah. And, you and, know what I mean? Like the, the yeah. actual, um, just the meat of the story of the heist is not like as far as a timeline goes of how long that was because it shows them at the diner you don't ever see the heist. You see them running away at points. Yep. You do see, you do see other flashbacks, like more recent flashbacks of things that took place post robbery, Mm -hmm. like how they escaped the situation, how uh, Mr. Orange got the the gunshot wound, et cetera, et cetera. So you get some of that too, to add uh, some, some uh, depth, uh, texture to the story. Right. But, but but to Marky's point, they never actually show the heist. No, no, it's no, sort no, no. of like a heist movie, but you never see the heist. You never you see, see the heist. See the fallout of it, which is pretty fucking cool. Yeah. yeah. Which is great. Yeah. And and I was thinking for a directorial debut, are there any that, that got something that's right up there with him? A with Reservoir Dogs. Right yeah. I mean, there are some, I'm sure, like Jordan Peele's Get Out was an excellent debut, obviously. He, he won an Oscar for the writing. It's, you know, so, but there, I was starting to think of some of them, but you know, it's he set the tone for the '90s with his it, it his filmmaking in the '90s was sort of like this. It changed a lot, and there was a yeah. ton of copycats. Yeah, I was um, just thinking Tarantino that. copycats throughout the '90s. So, well, not he just really, the 90s, I mean, he's just emulated and copied uh, since right. he started. But early on, it was like it was rampant when he got really popular. Early, yeah. people were just starting. to starting to uh, copy that the style and the and the and the the uber violence and the you know we GW, have, uh, you're a fan can... you're a fan of reservoir dogs right yeah of course um i i didn't, right, DP. I, I didn't get to watch it in full um this week but i watched i watched some bits and pieces of it and the one thing that actually really stuck out to me was just how good tim roth is in this in this movie yeah. i mean like he's outstanding um 
you know, we 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 would joke a lot about like the scene where he talked. You know, he had to you know as the undercover cop, he had to come up with like the the hijinks that he had run into at one point as a criminal, so he could tell the the other criminals his story about how he almost got caught by the cops in this weird scenario. That scene is so fucking good, and he's so good. And like AJ, we would always joke about the cops and the 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 bathroom, it's like buddy. Yeah, I'm gonna shoot you in the face like that. Yeah. That scene is so good, um, but he's so, he's just so smooth in this movie. Um, and and one of the things I read, uh, which I thought was kind of cool about Tim Roth, was he refused to read for the movie. And so one night, him and Quentin and Harvey Keitel just went out drinking, and they got hammered. And then he read once he was hammered, and uh, and they and they just loved it. Uh, so uh, it was. Uh, I did not stumble across that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, it's a really cool little fact about it. Um, and I, I I like how the movie came together, AJ. Like we like you were saying, really, it was this movie that was kind of you know this guy that no one knew wrote it, and then suddenly you know, Harvey Keitel read it and went, Oh, we, we got to do this. Like, yeah. This is, yeah. This, and, and then you, you were right. You were right. Exactly. Right. $1.5 million. Harvey, Harvey Keitel just by him signing on to the movie got that type of funding just because of who he was. So, um, and that seemed to be when I was reading through some of the fun facts about it, that's what seemed to be the case for a lot of people who signed on um, who like Steve, Steve Buscemi, same thing. You know, he, um, he was Mr. Pink. Quentin Tarantino originally was supposed to be Mr. Pink, but Steve Buscemi, Buscemi read the the um, the the screenplay and went, I I need that. I need to be that character. So it, it happened with a lot so of people. Fucking well. Yeah, it, it, it happened. It would not have yeah. been the same. It would not be the same movie without. Yeah, him. I, I, I want to sit here and go, hey man, the casting director is amazing. But for the most part, most of the people in the movie casted themselves after they read it because they liked it so much. They reached out and said, "I want, I want this role." And they yeah, just I want to read for this role. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a it's obviously a great flick. Listen, the, the fact of the matter is, with the with the movies we're talking about tonight, we could probably sit here and do one episode on each movie. Just yeah. I know, I almost wanted to, but it was, I, I too, it was no, too, it's too, too much. much. Yeah, we'll be too doing much. it until season seven if we did it like that. So, <laughs> um, no, we 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 could do this for a while, but I, of course, Reservoir Dogs is is brilliant. It's um it's it's right up there. It's it, it's in the I don't even know where it is on on my list. It's maybe near Garden State. Go ahead, DP. It better be lower than Garden State. So higher, uh, I, I think it's. I mean. uh, I'm the only one that likes Garden State. <laughs> What's the Why are you coming at me? <laughs> Sorry, DP. DP, uh, DP well, you, you were going to say something before I rudely jumped over the TW. Uh oh, geez, I already forget what it is. <laughs> well, I, I just want. I just want to. <laughs> I just so it's Friday, baby. <laughs> the thing that that jumps out about Tarantino films in general, and we'll I, this is going to be your, uh, a recurring theme, is just the um because he writes all the stuff he directs, right? Not every director yeah. writes their stuff. His dialogue is Oof. like next level shit, yeah. right? And it, when he bursts on the scene, that was especially when we'll get to Pulp Fiction in a minute, when he, we got to Pulp Fiction, the dialogue in that film, there's not one scene in that film where you don't want to hear the conversations that are well, happening. Yeah. AJ, I mean, if we're just talking Reservoir Dogs, the way the movie kicks off in the diner when they're talking about the waitress, yes. so thing, it's just, oh, it's so fun. Like good. a virgin being all yeah, about yeah, big yeah. dicks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently Madonna reached out to Quentin Tarantino in the aftermath of that. Yeah, she said wasn't really. a fan. Said, yeah, he, was, yeah, said yeah. he was wrong. 
Yeah. So um, <laughs> also, just that the ending of that, we're near the ending of that scene where uh, they're all tipping. They throw in a buck for tipping. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, Bushimi's like, yeah. fuck all that. I don't do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is the world's in. smallest violin. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's really good. Uh, that that you're right. I mean, the minute the movie starts off, the it's the first thing that grabs you is the dialogue. It's so good and it's, it's so smart. Yeah, it's, it's sharp, so poignant. It's just like it's just everything. And it's like what I like about it is it, it's like these guys are criminals. They, they're they're career criminals for the most part, and they're having a conversation that like the four of us might fucking have. At, yes, at, at, at a, at a, at, in a diner, you know, just about random shit. They're everyday guys. They just happen to be a different walk of life, and I think he really captured that in Reservoir Dogs. It's one of the things I like. Hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree. Um, something that I uh, realized as we've been talking right now, I think something that Quentin Tarantino does so well. And it became apparent at the at the start with Reservoir Dogs is just how cool he can make his characters, or how cool he writes these characters, mm-hmm. yes. and the right people come along to fill those roles. But in so many of his movies, and starting with Reservoir Dogs, how these guys are just like the classic, or maybe not always the classic, but just so fucking cool. Like Steve Buscemi, even Michael Madsen, as much of a psycho as he is, they're all just like Harvey Keitel, super underrated you know? guy. Um, yeah, yeah Mike, Michael Madsen was a revelation. In this is, Dogs, actually. in my opinion, his best. This is Michael Madsen. I'd say best. by far. Yeah. Dude, is there anything cooler than the, are you going to bark all day, <laughs> little doggy, Dog. or are you mm-hmm. going to bite line? DP, I mean, DP. that is so fucking cool. Dude. DP, like, I almost wow. went with that. Really, the, really cool. That was yeah. that. I almost went with that as the tagline in the introduction That's tonight. That yeah, but then yeah, I went yeah. with <laughs> a felt pen. I went with that instead. But that was, <laughs> that was, that was second place. So. All right. Oh, oh, it's such a, a great, it's a great, it's a great but, but do you remember Kaitel's Ky- uh, reaction? He's like, what? Like he could not fucking believe somebody yeah. just said that to him. Yeah. Like, cause he's a bad fucking dude. He probably killed six or seven people. But they're all life. bad dudes. Yeah. Was, what's right. so cool about that. He's they all like, start getting at each other's yeah. throats and they're all equally just, you know, but terrifying, you, violent people. Am I the only what, fucking professional here? What you kind of realize is that when, when, what you kind of realize, though, as the film gets uh, deeper in, is that when shit went sideways, you know, Kaitel's stressing out, Mr. Pink's yeah. stressing out, Mr. Blonde's got like he stopped for like fast food, and he was yeah, like, you know, like soda, cool as a <laughs> cucumber, cool as a cucumber, like you know what I mean? And he even stopped off to kidnap a cop, you know, like he yeah, just, yeah, yeah, like, they, he it's just, what they do, it's what they do, it's their job. You see but, the uh, the flashbacks of the other people, like uh, Mr. Pink running away and uh, Harvey Keitel and um, Tim Roth getting away and shooting up, but you never see Michael Madsen getting away. They just tell the story of how he went berserk and he started going bang, mm-hmm. bam, bam, bam. <laughs> bam. <laughs> it started killing everybody. It started well, killing it was, bam, 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 bam. It, it was almost <laughs> like the walls were starting to, like he knew the walls were closing in. And it was just yeah. like, I'm just going to go out the way I go out. Cause I, cause he's a fucking Looney Tune, total sociopath Looney Tune. Knew the end was near and just fucking just went out guns blazing. Apparently yeah. that um that safe house was a mortuary. Interesting. Did you guys read mm. about this? I didn't know. If you see some of the scenes, there's some equipment like in the background or something that that makes it obvious. And mm. I guess it was a uh, they used the same location upstairs for uh, uh, Mr. Orange's apartment. Mm-hmm. So yeah, <laughs> but one of the, my favorite scenes, and it's more subtle. It's more about how it's shot. And just the idea of it, like once he, um, once Mr. Blonde is left alone with the cop, 
And then he goes out to his car to get the gasoline and just a shot of him walking. He's already playing the song, right? He's like having a great time. Oh, he He walks outside and the, you know, the, and they follow him outside. You don't hear the music anymore because the door shuts. He's outside, gets the gasoline out of the trunk, turns around, walks back in. The camera is following him the whole time, walks back in the music kicks back in again as he opens the door i just love that yeah it's like shot. Yeah, yeah yeah it's really nice yeah, yeah. Hey, can, can i just give a real quick shout out speaking of the music the uh the voice of the dj is oh, uh yeah. Yeah. stephen wright who's yeah. from yes. our Burlington. hometown tim aj and i are all from burlington and that is where Stephen yeah. Wright is from. Is yeah, I used to. So. I used that to wait. Sounds I, I used to wait on that dude when I was working at the Outback in Burlington. He'd come in by himself all the time. Very nice guy. Really cool. Good tipper. Dude, Good tipper. Hilarious. Yeah, dude. kind of. So dude, his stand up is amazingly. Funny. I was going to ask. Uh, I don't recognize the name. What you would know. Yeah, known yeah he's a stand up. He was the guy on the couch and yeah, half baked. Half baked. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Know him. Yeah, nice. <laughs> yeah, this movie is riddled with, uh, well, just again, what becomes uh, characteristics and what Tarantino is known for are these incredible shots, these angles, the camera, the, the you know, the, just the way the dolly, everything, the way he chooses to go about filming a scene and the music on top of that that he chooses for it. The music was something we haven't gotten to that much yet, but the music is is part of what made you know that the, these 90s films like just so so much so much more special yeah just, and just I, the, the it, choices. It influenced other filmmakers like yes there is no doubt in my mind james gunn saw quentin movies in the early 90s and it's like that's how Surely. we're gonna fucking make movies from now on yeah a kick-ass soundtrack yeah yeah it can set for a, sure a yeah. good tone for a movie right the, right but just the choices of the music and that's it's true. not just yeah. the music in the background it's the music playing on the radio in the car or uh you know on the radio in the safe house like you like mm-hmm. the delphonics or, or yeah. yes, yes, yeah. we'll yeah. get to Jackie Brown, yeah. please. Yeah. Don't, Diegetic versus non-diegetic yeah. mu- music. Yeah. yeah, the way he does it is really fucking cool. What is that called? Uh, diegetic, uh, meaning uh, so like music that the characters in the movie can hear. Yes, diegetic versus non-diegetic is just a movie that the music that Background. the listeners hear. Right, the soundtrack, the soundtrack of the film or the score right. or whatever. Right, right? right, yeah. So music that's yeah, actually so, happening in the scene, and they're re- the music they're reacting to and stuff. Like yes, Robert exactly. Forster singing along with the Delphonics at one point yes. when he's driving the car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they listen to it again when uh, when Ordell's driving. When we'll get to Jackie Brown. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but. Um, Anything else that sticks out about Reservoir Dogs? I just, I, I think for a debut, it's such an incredible um, launching point for a career. Yeah. It's just, it just shows who you are right out the gate. Like this is what, what I want to do for. Mm-hmm. And it was just such a statement, like a huge statement to the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I, I guess we've already kind of touched on this, but you said uh, some of these actors that saw the script and just had to do it mm. what that equaled out to was these amazing actors that gave it all like their 100 percent. like no one phoned it in like the only lacking thing that you might be able to say is uh you know tarantino does try to 
act a little bit barely in this movie you see him a couple scenes yeah. he doesn't do much but yeah. everyone there is just a powerhouse and they bring well, it. well nobody did the movie originally for the money like that yes. i mean that yeah. there wasn't any to go around they just were blown away by the script and that's mm. and that's what brought them all to the, to the table i mean it ends up being a powerhouse cast so mm-hmm. i don't know how you could be blown away how you couldn't be blown away by the script it, i mean like like we all mentioned his dialogue the way he writes dialogue is just so sharp and so mm-hmm. cool. I mean, that's it's one of the one of the words that we we've said a few times. It's it's just cool, yeah. man. Just the, he writes characters to be cool. Well, shit, you know. Even and in, uh, every conversation is interesting. Even you know? in the if you know jumping into, I don't mean to get ahead of you, but in Pulp Fiction that's like a topic between some of the characters They're like be cool man or, or multiple characters like you know that um jules Deverne is like you know that guy's cool man you just gotta be cool and then there's of course the uh, be cool honey buddy yeah, tell that yeah. bitch to be cool <laughs> jules Deverne. <laughs> yeah hey so before we move on i do i do want to say one last thing about reservoir dogs and uh in regards to the ending which i i think is great that every fucking buddy Everyone that you meet dies, except it seemed at first. The first time I saw it, I thought Mr. Pink got away. Like, mm-hmm. you know, everyone gets shot, they're all down, and you see Mr. Pink, he goes, grabs the bag, and heads out the door. And then, as Mr. White and Mr. Orange are sitting there, kind of like moaning and crying, and Orange tells him he's a cop. Yeah. And in the background, you hear sirens and shit. And if you listen closely, you can hear the fucking cops arrest Mr. Pink. Really? Like, yeah, you can hear Buscemi saying, like, oh, don't shoot, don't shoot, and shit like that. Like, you got to listen close. But Mr. Pink gets arrested outside of the fucking building by the cops. And then everyone else is dead. It's such a fucking, like, grim ending. And the one person you thought maybe got away didn't fucking get away. If you listen close, you find out he actually got caught as well. So, which, yeah, fucking cool ass awesome ending yeah that that that's a great point uh dp that that's such a great ending it's 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 crazy bleak but uh so appropriate for yeah so let's move on to uh quinn tarantino's second um effort as a director and that was pulp fiction and he wanted he won an oscar for best original screenplay which he co-wrote with roger avery who i mentioned earlier now look we could talk about pulp fiction we could do a retrospective on pulp fiction for three episodes we could talk about Mm -hmm. that movie for a long time we have talked about it during our original best original screenplay uh episode so we're not going to go too deep of a dive into this because a lot of us want to talk about jackie brown (laughs) Mm-hmm. I know I have a lot to say about Jackie Brown, which we've never talked about on the show. Um, and True Romance, which uh, he wrote the screenplay for, which Marky just recently saw. So I know he has uh, a lot to say about that. So we could let's talk a little bit about, about Pulp Fiction, but we're not going to go down, down deep. I okay. want to read to you guys something. Okay. Is it a poem? No, it, it it's a, it, it, it's from a review of the movie. Is it a limerick? No, it's <laughs> it's it's an it's an excerpt. Anyone else got anything? No. Okay. I was trying to think of something. It's it's an excerpt from um, 
<laughs> sorry. It's an excerpt from a review for um, Pulp Fiction. Okay, lay it on me. Watching Is it many- a sonnet? No, it's look. It's a short paragraph. Watching many movies, I realized that all of the dialogue is entirely voted to explaining or furthering the plot, and no joy is taken in the style of language and idiom for its own sake. There is not a single line in the movie Pearl Harbor you would want to quote with anything but derision. Mm. Most conversations in most movies are deadly boring, which is why directors with no gift for dialogue depend so heavily on action and special effects. The characters in Pulp Fiction are always talking and always interesting, funny, scary, or audacious. This movie would work as an audiobook. Imagine having to listen to The Mummy Returns as an audiobook. <laughs> right. Like, just as comparison. Like, that's what the, it was Roger Ebert, the late Roger Ebert wrote that about Pulp Fiction, which he gave four out of four stars, obviously. It's, nice. it's a masterpiece, Pulp Fiction, yeah. right? We, all of us have seen it. We all love it. It just sort of like epitomizes what I was sort of alluding to earlier, which we've talked about. He did a, his his um, um, debut Reservoir Dogs. The writing is sharp. The dialogue is right. He really f- hones in on it with Pulp Fiction. He just gets better at it. And it's just yeah. like this well-oiled machine of like amazing dialogue. And like he says in the review, all the characters are interesting. All the conversations that are being had are interesting. You, you're, wait, you're hanging on all their words. You're thinking about what they say after they're done talking. Like you're, you're almost like involved in the conversation as a fly on the wall. It's like that's what his dialogue writing means in this film. Like, what do you guys think? Yeah, you know, um, talk about all characters are interesting. I was thinking about that one dude that works for Marcellus, I think his name is Paul and you don't see him much. He doesn't say much, but he's like behind the bar at one point. And then later he's in the, um, the room with uh, Bruce Willis when he's warming up for the boxing match. Oh, it's after or the match. After, after the match. After yeah. he escapes. Yeah. Even well, actually guy. is, is his name actually Paul or does he just have that line where he says, Hey, my name is Paul and this is between y'all. Yeah. <laughs> Did he just say because it rhymes or is his name Paul? I don't actually. I, I think his name is Paul and he uses and that line a lot. Uses it it rhymes. <laughs> yeah. He is credited as Paul. I had to look it is up. Is he? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't sure. I just I just remember that line he delivered. So. Mm. <laughs> but it's true. At every every um, scene, there's no wasted scenes in that film. It's two yeah. and a half hours long. But there's, there's nothing wasted in that film as far as that goes. And, and he's just such a master of dialogue and plotting. And the way he plays with uh, the chronological order of this film is mm. so incredibly smart. Because they during that first, uh, not, not the first scene, the opening scene is obviously Ringo and Honey Bunny holding up the joint, that brief scene that we see at the end as well. But the, the next proper scene, full scene, is... Um, Jules and Vincent driving to the job. Uh, where they kind of, where they gonna talk to Brett? I think you mean Jules yeah. and Vern. Yeah, Jules, Jules and Vern. Vincent. Jules and Vincent. Sorry, <laughs> sorry guys. I like Jules, Jules and, and Vern better. <laughs> Jules and Vincent. Sorry. So Jules and Vincent are driving to the job, and um, 
I lost my train of thought now. Sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I screwed you, up. You the didn't name. say Vern. Matt, no, you didn't screw it up. Marky screwed it up earlier. earlier. And we're making fun of Marky. I said it, so it, <laughs> I was just on a roll and I was talking and it just came out of my mouth. And I didn't realize until DP called me out and you guys just went right over it. All right. So yeah. Jules and Vincent are driving to the job and yeah. you don't realize until like they're, they're talking like in the hallway, they're like, Oh, we're a little early. Let's uh, let's walk over here and just chat. And they're talking about the foot massage thing. And they're alluding to his meeting with uh, Mia Wallace and all that. And, and then you kind of get to the Mia Wallace thing afterwards, although it's chronologically not right afterwards. You know what I mean? There's 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 that whole scene with Marvin in the car and and, the, and Mr. Wolf and all that happens in between all that, but it makes more sense to go to the Mia Wallace scene on the heels of it versus yeah. you know what I mean? It's just so smart the way he plays with the chronological order in this film. It's brilliant actually. It just all flows right. It doesn't feel out of order. I guess is the way I wanted yeah. to put it. It was easy to kind of piece it back together after watching it. I think even the first time. I mean, it was. Maybe it, it took you a while to kind of think through it, I think, later, you know, um, on what you just watched. And then, but it's it's not something that it's so intricate or just intense and intentionally or unintentionally just all over the place. You can put yeah. it together and it makes sense and it works like well. The scene when they, the, I'm Paul and this is whatever, like that yeah. whole scene, they're wearing the stupid shorts and t-shirts mm, like, yeah. like how the fuck did they get those right like but you just go They're your okay. clothes motherfucker yeah <laughs> like yeah. they'll explain They're that a eventually. couple of dorks <laughs> like hey, I'm, clothes, I'm thinking to myself as i'm watching that scene when i originally saw the film like all right i guess we'll we'll get to that explanation at some mm. point like <laughs> i don't know why they wear those weird shorts and t-shirts but hey you know i'm sure we'll get that explained to us but it's it flows in such a natural way even though the the order is has been moved around um okay. go ahead marky no i was i didn't um i wanted to talk about uh what tw had mentioned earlier about what your, what's your favorite scene about pulp fiction i've been thinking about it i didn't know if you wanted to go there yet to hijack this conversation or no no, no. let's let's do that let's jump into this because we want to move on to the other films there's a lot to talk about there and pulp fiction is just it's too meaty and we've talked about it a bit already in the podcast so mm -hmm. I, I, tw had an idea that maybe we could just all talk about our favorite scenes a little bit identify them and briefly why what have you who wants to jump in with that marky yeah marky go ahead. yeah yeah i've got um hey, i was thinking if, if you know if i watched the movie again i'd probably pick out a, uh, a new new favorite scene absolutely every time, you know? but what i was thinking about uh since tw brought it up was you know just kind of on the spot i think my favorite scene as twisted as it is is the uh basement and zed's basement you know the oh boy the infamous gimp scene and um marcellus being raped and then bruce willis just coming down and killing dudes with the samurai sword the Marcellus music it, being what can you say that again uh right thank you <laughs> <laughs> i just need to hear that r roll one more he time. just he just needed the sound bite <laughs> <laughs> that is so true um one of my favorite parts within that scene you know because it is a very dark and like i said infamous just nasty twisted scene it's it's told and shown so well that it just stays with you for life i think um, but I think it's when 
Bruce Willis uh, breaks his restraints and he kind of comes up in this slow motion and that music is building up in the background. We've talked about how well Tarantino adds just the, the perfect music to the right scene. And it's like this buildup of him coming up and then the gimp sees him and starts rack, you know, writhing around and he clears him, knocks him out with a left hook. Oh yeah. yeah. Perfect shot as a boxer, you know, drops him with one. Oh yeah. Takes the rest of the restraints up is about to leave, opens the door, has, you know, here's what's going on downstairs, has the change of heart. Like no man should go through that shit. And then it comes back and immediately starts assessing, all right, what can I use? What can I use? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Starts picking up all these random ass weapons, gets a chainsaw at one point and is shaking it like this might it's like, work. It's yeah. like any fantasy any of us have ever yeah. had. And then, he, <laughs> and then his his eyes glance up to that samurai sword. He's like, oh yeah, oh, yeah. that's it. Pulls it out slowly. That's so good. So good. So, uh, there know. is nobody who who saw, especially as like a as a man who saw that movie. And like the minute he just jammed that sword into Zed, everyone, mm-hmm. every single person, yeah, like everybody in that moment was like such a badass scene. Yeah, big time. So that's mine. That's good. Uh, can I throw mine out real quick? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, this isn't like a. Um, this isn't. <laughs> it's funny. Because I, as I mentioned in Reservoir Dogs, what I what I was saying before, and I'll reiterate, was when they're sitting at the at that table, these are normal conversations that we that any human being, like the four of us, can have, you know. But these are career criminals. With Pulp Fiction, these people are in some serious fucking situations, yet they still have time to have these very very human conversations. So yeah. my favorite scene in the movie is when Bruce Willis realizes that his wife didn't bring his fucking watch with him. And remember, like he's, he's trying to be calm and, um, and Bruce Willis is so pissed in that moment. And he flips out. Remember, he's like punching shit. He's so upset because they, they're like, they're like on their way. It's over. They've done everything they got to do. They're ready to just get the free, free and clear. That's it. But like, he cannot, leave without the watch and like of course the the watch story is amazing like with with walking and yeah he got shots he got shot down over Hanoi. give me the watch like the whole thing is <laughs> is amazing like it's really really great uh gunner name a wanaki like it's really great but the but can, hold on can i just say your, your walking impression is really good it's pretty good i've been, yeah, I've, I've been pretty good I've been working on it for like 10 years. So (laughs) this time they called it world war two. All right. So the, but like everybody has been in that scenario where you're so fucking pissed at your girl and she's like, Oh no. And you're like, okay, honey. Okay. Okay. No, no, no. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm sorry. Do this. I'm so sorry. And he's hugging her. Oh, you're going to get your pancakes. Remember that? All right. It's great. And then he gets in the car. How the fuck could she forget the one he's flipping out? Like, that's what I mean. Like, this is like a very serious situation he's in with a mob boss who's ready to kill him, but he's still having the same fucking interactions with yeah, his loved ones. Very relatable thing. Right, we yeah. all go very through it relatable. all the time. Like, oh, sorry, sweetheart. And then you just flip the fuck out in your car because you're just, you're so fucking goddamn frustrated with it. Like, I, I love that. I love that human element that Tarantino is able to bring into his movies that 
no matter how serious and dangerous the situation is, life is always there. The normal shit is always there all the time. I love that. What, what's her name? Fabian? Fabian? Fabian, yeah. Yeah, yeah. If you had a... If you had a I am Fabi. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that Don't stupid Mongoloid voice. Don't talk to me in that voice. We can all just quote this movie endlessly. Yeah, I know, it's crazy. I know, right. But I, I just... That's... I don't know. For some reason, when I think about this movie, like that's the part I always come back to because it's so real and it's so it's so frustrating like the one goddamn thing she couldn't forget she fucking forgot like we've all been through that like it's just but they were obviously on a different scale you know like for us it's like hey we're going away for the weekend and you forgot the the fucking Amazon fire stick like how could you forget that like it's like (laughs) that thing that they do these broads anyways um (laughs) But, but I don't know. For some reason, when I think about that movie, it always comes back to that. It's just, it's just so yeah. real. I love it. So. Hey, yeah. let, let me jump in with mine because I want DP. I want to save DPs for last here. What he wants to talk about, uh, real quick before we move on. My favorite scene. I'm, I'm going to keep it really obvious here. Um, it's that opening Jules and Vern. I mean Vincent scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gotcha. Where, 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 this, town. Mo- it's like, this, he, this is like my garden state right now. Not, not, <laughs> not, not when they're not when they're driving in the in the car and they're talking about the the differences between, you know, with the the, the right the focus, the, yeah, yeah. The it's not quarter- even say fucking sport. No, no, no. But the quarter pounder with cheese on the road. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's once they get not when they're in the car or in or in the hallway. It's when they get in the room, and yeah. it's it's the Samuel Jackson show. Oh, you know, oh, when, my once God, Jules gets yeah. gets into the. You know, like, uh, hey, you flock of seagulls. Like, he just like yeah. the whole thing. You must be Brett. Like, he just yeah. he takes over the room and he's just chewing up scenery. And I think he is just that's where like he became a star. Yeah. Guys, it, does it beg right? the question? That scene. Does it beg Surely. the question? Is Samuel L. Jackson underrated? No. Oh, not does now. it beg that question? As far oh, as like geez. talent, or do you mean like notoriety? Because Ta- he's talent. He, he, talent. Yeah. Well, and those and some of that oh, stuff. Because he's done a lot of shit movies. I mean, yes, Snakes but on a then, fucking uh, plane. I mean, what Snakes on a plane was great. Black Snake Moan. <laughs> I love Black Snake Moan. He loves snake movies. All right, Actually, sorry. yeah. <laughs> but I'll tell you that particular scene. I think more so because yeah, that really was like a star-making scene. Yeah. For Samuel L. Jackson, and uh, he's just so great in it. All I, it's iconic. The, it's yeah, iconic. Mo- it's iconic. Mostly the lead up to the biblical we can talk about whether yeah. that's an actual it's in actually contained that way in any bible but um whatever right it's it's right. Right. i don't it's remember just, asking you a goddamn God thing all that stuff all <laughs> oh, that yeah. leading all that oh, leading good. up to big that, kahuna I, burger <laughs> do you mind if <laughs> what's in the sprite do you mind if i have your beverage to wash this down and then he sucks it back until it's empty. Yeah, he drinks the whole fucking thing. Yeah, like he's mm, making it, he's yeah. making it clear what they're about to do to all of them. Like, right, he's just, right, right. Like there's no need for you to have this soda because you're about to die. Like, I drink your milkshake. <laughs> so that's yeah. my scene. That's it'll probably Which, like Marky Marky was saying, it'll probably change, you know, yeah, uh, next week when watch I watch it. the movie again. Yeah. But that uh, that act- that scene actually kind of leads to my not not my favorite scene, but my favorite thing from this movie Segway. was uh, Quentin like taking the MacGuffin to a whole new fucking level. 
So uh, for the listeners, you don't know, a MacGuffin is something from in like fiction where uh, whether it's like a, a, an object or something that like drives the characters and it makes them do what they're doing. But at the end actually has no fucking meaning whatsoever. Hmm. And that goddamn briefcase that they go <laughs> yeah. after, like it is everything in that fucking movie. And no one knows what the fuck it right, is. Vincent, like, are it we ends happy? up being nothing. It means nothing at the end. But the whole movie is driven by this fucking briefcase that never makes a difference at all whatsoever. And it is like, to, at least to me, I know like Hitchcock did it a lot. But to me, this is the ultimate MacGuffin in fucking movie history. Very well done. So, so well done. Yeah, I, I did not know that. Uh that term or that word yeah i actually didn't so. either i like that oh. well there you go yeah really really well done you don't <laughs> see the that. briefcase that much i mean uh, mm-hmm. um uh, jules is holding it when um mr wolf takes off he's like i see a cab ride in your future like he's holding it <laughs> he's holding it then obviously they open uh, um vincent gets it out from underneath the cupboard and opens it um mm. and then they have yeah. it when they walk in the bar they obviously he shows ringo and yep. That's how he gets Ringo yeah. <laughs> into that a compromising position. Yeah. It's yeah, just a device. It was a device has, to get him. To- does a lot of shit, but yeah. what was it? What does it matter? Like at the end, what it was meant it? nothing. Yeah, right. It's people speculated so like the oh, band- there's a there's a people speculate the band aid on the back of Ving Rhames' neck, like there. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, did that, so many theories. So, yeah, there's a million theories about it, which which actually is a testament to how brilliant the fucking movie is. Totally that, brilliant. All these years later, people are like, "What the fuck did that mean?" Like have nothing. Seen, nothing. It meant nothing. Have you ever seen the inside of that real briefcase? There's a no, photo that's no. been circulating online somewhat recently. And a it's, light bulb. It's, it's a light bulb with a battery pack. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I was kidding. And it a really switch is. for whenever you open it, <laughs> like it turns on. Oh, I was joking. That's awesome. <laughs> Obviously, well, I, great flick, but I mean, like, God. Uh, like I, I, I think, I think that's good for the for a pulp fiction discussion without going way overboard because we obviously could. Yeah, I, right. I could spend an hour talking about the Bonnie situation. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, you know, yeah. she's a bunch of gangsters in the kitchen doing a yeah. bunch of gangster shit. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but I ain't finished with that talented look. No, god, goddamn maxi pack. Yeah. <laughs> a please would be nice. I watched you get. I watched him. I you saw me. What you watched me? What I watched you get them wet. AJ, <laughs> you kicked off the podcast one week. Right there. I'm the guns of the Navarone. Like remember that? That was your quote yeah. one week. So it is. It's like oh, that oh, could be my favorite that. scene. To, you know, tomorrow. Pretty please yeah, with yeah. sugar on top. Yeah. Clean the fucking, the fucking car. car. Yeah. yeah. All right. Oh, Winston Wolf. Oh my god. Uh, we do a whole episode uh, of Winston Wolf. Call me Winston. <laughs> uncle, Con- our uncle and Conrad and yeah, Aunt, uh, Aunt Jenny. Jenny. Yeah. Are they millionaires? Yeah, nice, nice. Is your uncle Marcellus? All right. Uh, so we let's cut. Yeah, yeah. Let's. Yeah. So all right. So let let's um let's move on from Pulp Fiction, shall we? Yeah. Maybe yes. one maybe one day we'll do an actual <clears throat> full on. Pulp Fiction mm. breakdown. You know what I mean? Yeah. Scene by scene by scene. Yeah. Over time, but, I'd break it down. But we, I, I could, I could do that with most uh, Tarantino films. I think, mm-hmm. especially this next one, Jackie Brown. I think mm-hmm. there's mm-hmm. so many layers to this story. Um, I don't know. It's his, it's his third film. I don't think it's, it's, 
quite at the same level as Pulp Fiction. It's just on a different level for a different reasons. It's a different type of film. Um, I I love Jackie Brown. I just and I watched it again today, and I really really loved it just for different reasons. I think the one thing I wanted to say about Jackie Brown, obviously, it's it's about Jackie Brown, the lead, mm. the titular character, right? Pam Grier. Played by Pam Grier. She does have some nice titulars. Yeah. (laughs) Asterisk. Come on. (laughs) She plays a a flight attendant who's um, running money from Cabo on the shitty airline she works at now because she's gotten in some trouble for this guy named Ordell, played by Samuel L. Jackson, who is an arms dealer. He sells guns. So she's bringing money back from him. She gets accosted by uh, cops and ATF uh, played by Michael Keaton. And um, she's kind of strong armed into helping them out or else she's going to do some time. DP. Yeah. Can I just say something really awesome about Michael Keaton as Ray Nicolette? Ray Nicolette. Yeah. Yeah. Ray Nicolette. Uh Michael Keaton makes an appearance as Ray Nicolette in the movie Out of Sight, mm-hmm. the Soderbergh movie, because also written by Elmore Leonard. Michael Keaton is Ray Nicolette and Out of Sight as well as Tarantino. Does Tarantino, does Tarantino have any type of hand, uh, fingerprints on Out of Sight at all? Or, or no, 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 no but it's, Al, it's Elmore, Elmore, Elmore Leonard. The, the Elmore okay. Leonard connection because so it's, it's yeah. in the universe yeah you're right because this this this, um, this, sto- this sto- elmore leonard the author so this um film is based on a rum punch yeah check elmore, the elmore leonard yeah yeah so it's an that. adapt he had uh quentin tarantino adapted the screenplay so i should have said that out the gate so she she runs afoul of the atf and then she has to um she gets she gets um bond posted for her by ordell and then she starts to fear for her her life, and she makes this friend out of this older bail bondsman, played by Robert Forster, in um, a resurgence to his career. This role, um, which yeah. is amazing, and um, he's great in it as yeah. Max Cherry. He's great, and they strike up a friendship, and that's sort of at the heart of this film. Is their sort of budding, I guess, partnership, romance, whatever you want to call it. And they're both so great in it. They have good yeah. chemistry together, and I love seeing them on screen together. They did such a real, such a good job uh, to working together in this film. But everybody's good in this film. Bridget Fonda is terrific. De Niro plays a, a different type of character, but he's he's great. He's Dude, always it, great. It might be the most underrated De Niro performance ever. Yeah. Yeah, Dude, De Niro because, is amazing. In this. Yeah, DP he starts yeah. off. He starts off as like a as just like this fuck up, and then he turns into Jimmy Conway in the last thirty. Minutes. <laughs> yeah. Like he turns into a fucking right. lunatic. He plays like this dunce henchman, <laughs> yeah. which is so against type for De Niro. Right, right. Oh, totally. totally. And he fucking crushes it. Like he's, he's yeah. so good, dude. Yes, he's so yes. underrated. But I, 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 as I was watching the film again today, because it's been a little while since I saw it, and um god i fell in love with it all over again i just the music once again is just terrific in this movie so um so the choices for the for the music is so great and dp can you give me that that word again diegetic 
diegetic. So a lot of it is yeah. diegetic where, yes. um, where Forster's listening. He, he hears the Delphonics when he's at um, uh, Jackie's apartment. Yeah. And he, mm-hmm. when he goes to, when he goes to, because <laughs> she steals his gun from him. Yeah, it's a great scene. <laughs> and he comes back to like, oh, if you want to keep it, you know, I came to get back my gun or whatever. And then she's like, she offers him coffee and then they, she puts the record on. He starts talking to her about CDs and she's like, no, I just have to, you know, I've already got so many albums or whatever and they don't make any new albums, uh, new stuff on album, whatever. <clears throat> but but the, he hears the Delphonics. He goes, oh, it's nice. And then he starts listening to it in his yeah. car and his tape deck and he starts to really like it. It's sort of like a common, you hear that song a lot throughout the film, yes. um, mm-hmm. which is great. And it's sort of like, it makes him think of her when he's listening to it. Mm-hmm. I think it's, it's his connection to her. He, he loves it. And uh, yeah, I just, I really, I fell in love with Jackie Brown all over again when I watched the movie. Have you guys watched it recently? What do you guys think? What are your overall thoughts anyway on Jackie Brown? DP? So, um, all right. It, like, so I saw Jackie Brown in the movie theater. Uh, like I saw Pulp Fiction there with my boy, Scott Freeman. Shout out yeah. Scott Freeman. Um, and so when Jackie Brown came out, I was super excited about it. And I went and saw it. And when I saw it then, I was like disappointed. I was let down by it. I was like, oh, this isn't that fucking great. And then I rewatched fiction. it last night. This movie is a fucking masterpiece. Jesus yeah, Christ. Awesome. I, I don't know if I was just young and was expecting more Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction-esque. Probably you were. Was you were. let down because I didn't get it. But rewatching it now, this movie is fucking amazing. Like, there are some it amazing is. performances. There is some great... Um, like that whole part uh, when they're at the mall and they have like all those like one shots, those tracking shots of like when Jackie comes out of the dressing room and it just follows her as she walks all through the mall and, and is looking for Ray. And yes. it's all fucking one take and fucking Pam Greer just crushes it, dude. She does. Like she, she had like four straight minutes of just like camera on her walking, trying to look frazzled and she fucking crushes it. And then they cut to the one shot of uh, Bridget Fonda and De Niro walking in from the parking lot and it just cracks them the whole way in. And it's just like eight, 10 minutes of one shot, the whole fucking like this scene. So, so fucking well done. And like I said, when I was whatever, 20 years old when it came out, I didn't quite appreciate that shit then. But watching it back now, it is fucking amazing. It is such wonderful filmmaking, such wonderful acting. And granted, like there's not a bunch of people getting shot and the gimp isn't coming out. Mm. But as a film, this thing is fucking amazing. Yeah, it's like it's it's a very mature film too. It's just yeah. it very it's restrained at times. Yeah, and 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 that's okay. That's it makes it's all the better for it. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, it doesn't need to be as over the top. It's not flashy. It's not. Yeah. It's just. It's about the performances and about the smart, like DP said, the smart tracking shots, the 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 one shots. Like that's so smart. Like yeah. the choices that were made in this film. We're very, very smart. Mm-hmm. And once again, once again, that it, it's so dialogue driven. 
The dialogue yeah. is so interesting in this film um, mm-hmm. between uh, Ordell and Jackie's interplay to, like I said, the relationship between Max and Jackie. And Pam Greer is at the heart and the center of it. And she does such a great job. Yeah. In well, this also super underrated fucking Chris Tucker. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, Beaumont Livingston. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Livingston Beaumont. Great, great, very short, <laughs> yeah. but fucking great scene with him. Yeah, he was- I I love the scene when Ordell shows up at his place, and then he tell he, he compels him to go into the trunk, and then he basically just drives around the corner. But they're just yeah. the camera's just the camera's just rolling in that one yep. spot, and he just drives around the corner, parks the car, opens the, the trunk, trunk, and shoots, shoots him twice. <laughs> yeah, the argument the argument about getting into the trunk is. <laughs> Is so good. Oh my god, uh, amazing! Aside from yeah. that, TW, what else do you think about Jackie Brown? I will actually make a somewhat. I don't know if 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 this is a controversial statement or not, um, but Jackie Brown is my favorite Tarantino movie. It wow. is. No, it that's. Is. I don't think that's wow. controversial. I think. No, I, I mean, think you're you're in a minority though. For yeah, sure. no, yeah, I know. Yeah, I was afraid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was afraid you're about to say something bad about it. I was like, you mother. <laughs> no, no. I remember seeing the movie. You know, I remember coming late to the party, seeing the movie for the first time, maybe maybe ten years ago, and being like, holy shit! Like, I had I not, I cannot believe I haven't seen this thing. It's really brilliant. And then I rewatched it. Um, most of it last night. I finished it. Finished it up uh, before we went on mm. tonight. And it just reaffirmed everything I thought about it. It is it is so brilliant. Um, I think of any of the Tarantino movies, I don't think I ever felt closer to the characters, especially uh, Robert Forster and Pam Greer. I was in yeah. love with the two of them. I was in love with what they had with each other. Um, I, I uh, loved what they did for each other. I thought it was an unbelievable yin and yang, which was just a really, really... Um, just a great tandem you know she was obviously working on something he was trying to get out of his uh his current field he wanted to get out of the field the moment he looked at her he was in love she oh. had for him it was like this whole thing the whole thing just fucking worked and like i talk about a lot is the complete movie i always talk about that you know jackie brown is one of the most complete movies i've ever seen and um the the Again, I keep going back to it. The fucking conversations between two people who are like career criminals who just have a fucking conversation. Like I said, the, the Chris Tucker, Samuel Jackson, get into the trunk thing is one of the funny. I I think I rewound and watched that scene back like four <laughs> times. I think at least four times because Chris Tucker was making me piss myself laughing. And just the whole thing is just like, it, it just, the whole fucking thing just works. And, um, you know, let me let me get to my quick get it uh, moments too. Did anybody have to take? If anybody rewatched this recently, did you have to take a break and rub one out to Bridget Fonda? You, what the hell in this movie? She no, like to 30, Pam Greer. <laughs> well, no, her too. But Bridget Fonda was like thirty-seven years old in this movie. She looked like she was like twenty-two, and yeah. then uh, and then Pam Greer is gorgeous. I mean, I, she's seventy-two now. She can still get it. I mean, I'll say this, Quentin. Definitely rubbed one out to Bridget Fonda's feet. Mm. <laughs> yeah, dude. Kept coming this, back to it, right? This reaffirmed Quentin's love of feet. 
<laughs> like we yeah. start remember, Pulp yeah. Fiction, remember she, and then yeah. there's a zoom in on her feet the first time you meet her. And you're like, yeah, right. with the, oh yeah, <laughs> the toe rings, and then she's remember she's she's rubbing Robert De Niro's arm with her with, with her, her foot. foot. Yeah, and she's like chicken shit. The foot gets yeah. too oh, yeah, close to his glass. Oh yeah, because he pulls away. Yeah, pulls away from her. But I will say that too. Like again, another thing that reaffirmed in this movie was how badly Bridget Fonda's character deserved a bullet in that wow, in that scene. Who, who is bitch. who has not been being fucking harassed by their <laughs> their girl in a parking lot? And you're like, do I have the option to shoot this bitch? Like, because <laughs> Robert, he just couldn't take it anymore. And he just fucking blows her away. It's like, dude, she should have got that like fucking 30 minutes ago. Like when she wouldn't come out of the bathroom, I'm like, I'd have fucking killed her right then. Right. Like, it was just... <laughs> There's just so many things in the movie that are so poignant. And um, I don't know, for me, it has just a little bit of everything and it works under this formula that just makes it legitimately one of my favorite movies of all time. It is my favorite Tarantino movie. So, so I just want to say two things before I know Marky wants to give his thoughts on Jackie Brown, but two scenes that I think just kind of encapsulate some just just how well the movie is is filmed and the performances there's a scene where uh ordell and lewis are in the van and 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 they he finds out there's just the books in the bottom of the bag and stuff and samuel jackson's character just the the camera's just on him and he's just sitting there just like contemplating everything but they give the scene some room to breathe before he actually shoots De Niro. Yeah, yeah. Like, I just love that. I love the patience in that scene. And then um, mm. Max and, and um, Jackie's last scene together in the, the office when Max has to answer the phone. But before that, she says, I never lied to you. We were partners. Like, it really was a partnership between them. And I think there was genuine, like, affection and love between yeah. them. And I, I just thought that was so touching. And their final little kiss, that mm-hmm. not little, mm-hmm. it was very substantial. Oh, it's, it's such a great yeah. payoff. It's an amazing yeah. payoff. And then, and then, great she, build up. and then, she, yeah, and then she leaves. And I just, I, I thought that that scene blew me away. By the way, is it, Marky, real quick, before, like, have anybody seen another man who has aged more handsomely than Robert Forrest. (laughs) Jesus Christ. He can get it for Christ's sake. (laughs) Oh my God. He's handsome. And he's so smooth. He's even like, you know, he's kind of like a boring dude in the movies. He's a fucking mailbox. Like a a dad dork. Every time I see him in this movie, I'm like, I want good things to happen to this fucking guy. He's like, he's good looking and he's, and he's, he's, just cool. He's a good there, man too. There is one other human being that's pulled it off, and that's George Clooney. Yeah, those, but those that's two. it. There's two those people. Are the two most two handsome people men in history who've just gotten. Oh wow, Jesus, Marky. But, sorry, Mark. Yeah, have that. Marky, hit me with yeah. the Jackie Brown. Well, before I go into like my whole, uh, I, I've been writing notes down some as you guys have been talking things that I want to touch on. But since we're talking about uh, what's that actor's name again? The one in question here, the Robert Forster. Forster. Yeah. Robert Forrester. Um, he is kind of like a dorky dad character in this, but Tarantino again just writes these like such cool characters for people and he plays mm. it so well where he's not like this over the top flashy. He's very kind of humble. He's an everyman. He's, yeah. He's always got like a good attitude and like smiling a lot, but not like a retard. Or sorry, I can't say that word anymore. <laughs> not like an idiot. Don't you no, dare he, cut that DP. Don't you dare. No, he's not though. He's a, but he's a smart okay. guy. He could be yeah. any of us. He could right, be any yeah. of us. That's what we like about these characters. 
but I saw this. So like TW, I saw this movie later. Like I had seen uh, Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs multiple times before I even gave Jackie Brown a shot. And when I did, I was kind of like, what the fuck? Like no one told me how good this was. I loved it. Watched it a lot after that. Um, haven't seen it recently, but like I said, you guys talking about it jogged my memory in some of these parts. And we we're talking about how it's not as hyper violent as his two mm-hmm. previous movies, but the violence that he does show in this one or has, it's that much more impactful and powerful. Either there's, uh, yeah, just like almost slower, deliberate scenes with the violence. Yeah, like um, when Lewis shoots her, it's like very absolutely. like kind of jarring oh, that he yeah. actually pulled out yeah. a gun and shot her. But you jarring. don't you don't you don't see the impact. You don't see the blood. You don't even no. see her in the right. shot. It's just him yeah. shooting, and then tw- again, and then he walks away. Yeah, and, and he goes, every, I told and, you, I found it. He found it. Yeah, the, and yeah. every man that saw that movie when she went down went fucking finally. Jesus <laughs> so shut up. If we were going to pick uh, favorite scenes for this movie, I was thinking that would be my favorite scene is when he blows her away in the parking lot. Oh, he loses and, control completely. Sorry, Mark, yeah, just completely at that point. He's had enough. Like, it's just the and on top of that, something that um, I remember to realize as we we're talking about this film is the, I love how Tarantino sticks with the uh, gun special effects with using, you know, uh, straight blanks and squibs, uh, realistic weaponry, just like the the noise of the gunfire and everything. That shooting in the parking lot and the shooting in the car later when Liddell shoots De Niro, um, it just seems, you know, as far as movies go, it's it sticks with you. Like that shit seems real. Um, mm. And then later too, just, when uh, Keaton, even the the fact that he shot him in the chest. And then in front of him, all the blood splattered across the window. Mm. Like most movies have blood shooting out the back of people and they get Mm -hmm. shot. This one actually a lot more realistic where the blood shoots out the front, which I know is way too graphic. And I apologize (laughs) for bringing that up. (laughs) He doesn't. He shoots him again after that, right? He's like, like ah, groaning after the first one. Puts another round in him. (laughs) Yeah. And then... uh, at that that climax though when Liddell gets shot and it's in the dark um and what does Jackie Brown call out she has like a he's got Ray, a gun he's got a gun yeah yeah and oh, then she he played cuts, everybody Jesus and then dude her he cuts plan the light on brilliant. And comes Architect. out and just blows him away but when you think about it right of course she was able to pull it off with the fucking idiot De Niro all like hot and bothered by this whole situation with and not that she would have known that but she would have known that he was the doofus you know henchman or whatever and not mm-hmm. and, and and melanie wasn't you know anything special to have to deal with like she was able to pull the wool over their eyes so easily because she knew ordell couldn't be on the scene he had to be as far away from that as possible well aj one well, of the first scenes with melanie she's t- saying telling robert De Niro like he doesn't even know what the hell he's talking about with these guns. He's just like playing. He's playing like he, she knew he was a fucking idiot. For, right. He thought she was a fu- most for the most part. Everyone thinks he, everyone in this movie is a fucking idiot. Every and they're all right. Yeah, they're all <laughs> Ex- except for Jackie, except for and, Jackie and, Brown and Max. Yeah. And do you guys notice too? And this isn't even something I looked up. It was just something I noticed today when I was listening. Do you notice any time in the movie when they say the name Jackie Brown, it's always cool. Yeah. They all say it. 
Jackie Brown. It's Jackie, Jackie Brown. Brown. Remember, she she goes to, to buzz into Ordell's place. And, Who is it? It's Jackie Brown. Yeah, she's got her hat Every and glasses time. on. Everybody, the fucking trailer, the trailer for the movie was like a super cut of all those times that someone said Jackie Brown. Really? That's cool. Yes. Dude, I, yeah. I, I, I honestly didn't know that. I just noticed it today yeah, when I was Jackie re-watching Brown. it. Everybody, Jackie Robert Brown. Forrester, Jackie Brown, everybody, because she's such a bad yeah. bitch, and she's the architect of the goddamn movie. Yeah. It, yeah. And her plan was pedestal. brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, the whole thing. The whole thing. Yeah. And, and lined and, that and, shit up before the movie even started. And it obviously, Quentin Tarantino was a big fan of Pam Greer. She's mentioned in Reservoir Dogs. Yes, that's right. The, the actress Pam yeah. Greer is mentioned in Reservoir Dogs. But um, yeah, I'm I'm glad you guys love this movie so much because it it really is on the heels. You know, three years after Pulp Fiction, you know, th- that's the that's what you you got to follow that up with something, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a totally it's 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 got the Quentin Tarantino DNA, but it's a different, more yeah. measured, more patient yeah. film. It, it, it wasn't as well received. No, as no, no, his first two films at all. The like, reviews were great, but not amazing. Like the right. other movies are like amazing. I want to say Jackie Brown for like the audience, Rotten Tomatoes, the audience, and the critics are like in the mid eighties. Yeah, so yeah, it's like which it's is very good. well reviewed, but it's not like people were jacking it to Pulp Fiction. They weren't doing this. I, with I, just, I just, I just yeah. think people expected um, more of the same or something, and it's mm-hmm. not. Yeah. It's a different film. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's more measured, more considered, more patient. It's so good. It's just but such a so good fucking great. Play. Like so great. Such a smart plot, so so such great casting. I like kind of feel casting I, choices was so smart, and, I, and I, I honestly feel, even though Pam Greer is great, I feel like Samuel Jackson carries this movie. Like, really? I think like he's the one at all times I'm thinking about, and maybe that's just because the way his character was written, so you can give that credit to Tarantino if you want. But the whole time, every time something happens, I'm like, oh, Samuel Jackson's gonna be fucking pissed over this. Like, I <laughs> it always comes back to him because he's so Dude. like because he's dangerous, but he's also kind of a fucking moron. And yeah. it's like those are the most dangerous people. But and, he's the he's, he's got, the criminal element at the yeah. at the center of this, yeah. you know. Yeah, and, and he's got the really stupid stupid beard. Yeah, and really lame hair ponytail. in the ponytail. Yeah. Like, oh my god, yeah, the hair is he terrible. Looked so cheesy. Oh yeah, he's a tool. But yet was scary, which you'd learned when he fucking met Chris Tucker there. Yeah, it, like like oh shit, this dude's for real. Like he, right, he's you just think fucking he's a, around. You think he's fucking yeah. clown shoes the minute you meet him, but he's and, actually and, and you start to, and it, right, and you yeah. start to think oh he put up the bail for Jackie now he's gonna kill her. Right, yeah. well that's oh, what yeah. she's gonna do. And that's actually AJ. When I rewatched the movie, that's the scene that got that got me back into the movie. Like I watched the beginning, I'm like oh I love this movie, and then he's like. Is that your gun pointed at my dick? And he's she's like, get your hands off my neck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's him. Like, this is fucking great. What a bad bitch. Like, oh, I, I, I love it. I love everything about this movie. Yeah. 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 I'm so glad to hear that. That's uh, it, yeah, it's a terrific third film by him. And it's Elmore Leonard, DP. We talked about this all the time. He wrote fucking Dude, just the, well, Justified. he's the Justified. Yeah. I mean, he was the. Uh, his, one of his short stories is the yeah. the whole thing for Justified, which is an amazing show. If any of you haven't awesome. never watched Justified, fucking stop what you're doing, find where it is, and watch Justified. It's so amazing. Uh, but he's so, so great, Elmore Leonard. You can go uh, down to a used bookstore and buy four or five of his oh, books yeah. and read through Dude, them, and they'll get blow shorty. Your mind. 
get short. A great mood. Devito and Travolta are in it. The Rock, dude. The Rock was fucking great in Get Shorty. Another Elmore Leonard story. So well done. I've read that. I've read that book. That's a good one. Yeah, he's got he's got almost everything he does. It's just fucking brilliant. But and, but the story itself, Rum Punch, it's 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 a great film for Tarantino to do. Just mm-hmm. based on the content, like it yeah. just it it was a good it was a good merging of you know the the styles like Tarantino style and Elmore Leonard writing writing yeah, that was yeah. like an absolutely perfect yeah. fucking message. I, I wish it happened two. more. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like it was just, yeah, yeah right. They, they're on the same page. It's, it's brilliant. It's so good. And look, we'll get down the line, AJ. Like, I know your next couple of episodes that you're going to pick are going to be Tarantino. And, yeah. And like, we'll yeah. get, like, I mean, Django, I fucking love. And, and there's some other ones I love. But um, this one for me, like I said, it's just, it's just like my kind of fucking movie. It just hits everything that I'm looking for when yeah. I watch a movie. So, yeah. Me. me too. Me too. I, I, I love Jackie Brown. Um, I'm not gonna say it's my favorite Tarantino film, but it's it's one of the my favorite three one of the my favorite three Tarantino films. I actually gotta say I um I think I like Jackie Brown more than Reservoir Dogs. I don't know if that's crazy. I, no, no, no. I think <laughs> I, 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 I just no, no, told no. you it's my favorite, so I do too. No, no, no. I think I, I think I do too. I think I'm Pulp Fiction, and then I'm like a toss up between Jackie Brown and. Um, Jackie Brown and and Glorious Bastards, maybe like, the whole movie. Jackie uh, Brown, yeah. the whole movie. Like I'm, I'm on the f- or, or Kill Bill, vo- or Kill it's Bill Volume Jackie One, Brown. or Kill Bill Volume One, which I am obsessed with. Remember when she comes? That might be my out? third. Remember she goes walking out in like that 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 woman's suit in the yes, store. The fucking she looks great suit. in it. She looks great. Pam Greer, damn. And even, Br- and even Melanie comes in. She's like, "You look really great." Everybody, <laughs> like, Jesus, she is such a fucking fox. Like, uh, oh, oh, god. All right, all right we got to move on. Yeah. But you know, obviously, the first three, and we'll, we'll. This is part one of a retrospective. This is the '90s Quentin Tarantino films, right? The the three that he directed in the '90s. He also did had a lot of writing credits in the '90s, mm-hmm. and um, I think. I think you know we can. We don't have to talk about from dust till dawn, really. If you guys don't want to, although um, one one quick thing, because I know Mark, you want to talk about true romance. But, so do I. Yeah. Um, like like we said, like Reservoir Dogs was this gripping crime movie, and Pulp Fiction was about crime. Uh, Jackie Brown about crime. And when I first saw the trailer for From Dust Till Dawn, it looked like it was another kind of crime movie. And so I went and saw it thinking that's what it was. And then halfway through, fucking vampires <laughs> show up. Dude, it fucking blew my mind. I had no idea there were going to be vampires in this movie. And like, yeah, halfway through, I was like, holy shit, what is going on? Look, it was for, the greatest fucking thing that ever happened. So <laughs> for pure like popcorn, for pure popcorn entertainment, I do like From Dust Till Dawn. Yeah. I do. I enjoy it. Oh, it's a great, Harvey, Harvey, Harvey Keitel's in it. Clooney. Clooney is great. AJ, Clooney, you, don't have to, yeah. you don't have to qualify that. You don't have to like that. Would be that's fine. Great. That's fine. I don't think it's a, like a super well-written. Salma I mean, Hayek in that movie has been in my spank ooh. bank for fucking 25 <laughs> years. Are you kidding me? Jesus Christ! I and I like Robert Rodriguez. I think he's a, a decent director, and, and he's and, a lot of fun. Yeah, he is, and I know him and Tarantino are good buddies. 
and mm-hmm. they collaborated on that Grindhouse um, double Loved feature. It. Yeah, so it's it's a good film. I like it. it it's a lot of fun, and yeah. Tarantino's good in it. He co-stars he for crying out loud. Yeah, He's and Ju- Juliet Lewis. Juliet Lewis, who yeah. you know was hot in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here! Remember that was she's taking. <laughs> but she was hot in the nineties. She was a very, yeah. you know, she was a very um, in demand uh, star in the nineties. And uh, all right, one last thing about it. Uh, it uh, I quote it to this day is George Clooney's line at the end to her, yeah. and she's like, "I want to come with you." Hey, you know what? I'm an asshole. But I'm not a fucking asshole. Yeah, <laughs> I use that shit all the time. Didn't he? Didn't he also As an say, "Asshole"? I use that line a lot. That, that's was it, true. Was it, was it from Dustle Down? Where she's like, "Hey, that was weird." Well, you got real ugly. No, that was no. That's Army of Darkness, right? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You found me beautiful once, honey. You got real you got ugly. Real <laughs> but, real, but real quick, again, we'll move to Jerome's. But like, also, like, remember the scene when when they're when they're trying to cross the border and. Uh, 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 Clooney calls Tarantino a fucking nut. Remember that? They're like trying to hide. You call me a fuck these pigs. You call me a fucking nut. Like that. Whole, and then he just ends up knocking him out. That yeah. scene is so. And then he wakes up. He has no recollection. He's like, my yeah. glasses yeah. are fucking broken. <laughs> no yeah, Tar- Tarantino's good in it. He does a good job. He's so he's a lunatic. I he think he does a woman in the no 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 when you left everything changed she got crazy like and he ends up murdering that woman like yeah. violently it's horrible Just watching it's TV funny it's funny because I think this is probably the most screen time Tarantino has ever gotten in yeah. a film clearly just till dawn clearly you know? yeah yeah, yeah. Um, good usually, job, usually a little Tarantino goes a long way you know yeah. in the film but you know here he gets a lot more screen time I think he does a pretty good job. And he wrote it so he didn't have to do the directing or anything. He yeah. just let his mm-hmm. buddy direct yeah. and had his buddy directing. And uh, yeah, it, it's a fun film. I like it. Yeah, but too. but let let let's move on to True Romance. So Quentin Tarantino wrote the screenplay for True Romance, which is directed by Tony Scott. Came out in 1993. It's um, starring Christian Slater and Patricia Arquette as. Um, uh, he's this lonely guy that works at a comic book store and his boss pays for a call girl to meet him at the movies when he's, because uh, for his birthday, he goes and watches three Kung Fu movies every, <laughs> his Sonny Chiba films. And he's a big Elvis fan and he's just, you know, he's just a lonely dude, but he's kind of cool, right? And so she meets him there. She spills her popcorn on him. They meet and they, and she she's only been a call girl for like four days. She falls in love with him in the first night. And then he goes to the pimp's house and uh, the pimp's place and, and wants to get her stuff back. But he ends up killing him played by Gary Oldman. Mm-hmm. He kills him and his, and his, and his henchman or his, his uh, muscle. And uh, yeah, takes off with the suitcase. He thinks is her stuff. And it's really a bunch, a bunch of cocaine. And he runs to California after visiting his father, briefly played by Dennis Hopper. And he flees Oof. to California to go sell the to go sell the cocaine to this um, Hollywood producer for a lot less than the street value, two hundred thousand versus the five hundred thousand it's worth. But he just wants to unload it so him and his beautiful new bride and Patricia Arquette can get it in this film. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it's just a very frenetic pace. This film it goes from zero to sixty real fast. Like, and I'm a huge fan of it. 
a huge fan of uh, the writing and a huge fan of the story, and it's endlessly entertaining. I'm a huge true romance fan. So just wanted to throw that out there before. I know Marky wants to get into it a bit because he just recently watched it. So hit us. Yeah. So I just watched it for the first time last night. Um, as I'm watching it, you, I had these feelings of I'd seen the movie before, at least part of the movie before. And I don't know if you guys have ever had that feeling when you see something as a movie and you're like, have I watched this before? Like some of this shit looks familiar, but then as it goes on, you're like, no, no. And then you see something else and you're like, I may have been blackout drunk and may have watched this movie before. And it's all coming back to me. And in the end, I determined that I don't think I'd actually seen it, but so much of the movie reminded me of something else, another movie that, um, I think came back to it like that um, big climactic gunfight at the end. Oh my God. Yeah. I immediately thought of uh, the rock <laughs> with uh, Sean Connery and Nicholas Cage and that shootout in the, uh, the bathrooms of the movie, just that slow motion, dramatic, you know, all, all guns firing multiple different sides, everyone getting clipped. Um, but no, I, I love the movie. I, I thought it was fun. Like you said, AJ it's just like a, zero to 60 and then roller coaster just a fun movie till the end it's ridiculous but it's it's got those uh you can see tarantino coming through oh the dna's in there yeah yeah but you can tell it wasn't him directing it yes yeah um there were some scenes though that i thought had some uh tarantino flair to it in particular when Christopher Walken, who was phenomenal, by the way, and his oh, I agree. Scene. Yeah, I can agree with that. With uh, Dennis Hopper there. Yes, and the, yeah, the yeah, over, yeah, yeah, The overhead light, the overhead bright light. Tarantino uses that a lot in his movies, mm. um, particularly. So that's a that's in, a good comparison. I like light. that. Um, but in Christian Slater, for some reason, I kept thinking that uh, I feel like Charlie Day from Always Sunny in Philadelphia models a lot of his character off of what. Christian Slater's character looks like in this movie. He's got like the black, <laughs> the black hair, his black spiky hair. And he's always wearing like this army coat and just kind of like a dirt bag, but kind of cool. Like you like him. Um, like you also said, Patricia Arquette can get it. She was a smoke show in this. And it's, I don't know. I, I had, I had a lot of fun watching this. It was a, like almost a silly movie. Like it wasn't uh it's got a lot of rewatchability to it, but it's it's not nearly as deep or as uh, no. no 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 no. You know no. what I mean? A lot a little bit of loss of words, but compared to Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, Jackie Brown, um, it's it's cool that someone else directed it and he wrote it because you can see it there. But it's it doesn't have as deep of a cult like film connection as those other three. I think Tony Scott wanted to to option. Uh, he wanted to buy Reservoir Dogs, but Tony. Quentin Tarantino was like, no. I saw that. I want to direct that. Mm -hmm. I want that to be my directorial debut. I want, he didn't want to let that go. Gary Oldman, I I was, uh, you know, he's always killing it, obviously. But him playing this white guy that thinks he's a black guy was almost like a, (laughs) yeah, was almost like a Robert Downey Jr. type, you know, like he killed that black guy, just gangster to a T and was scary, Gary Oldman. Yeah, he did a really nice job. And then um, uh, Brad Pitt's in it, plays yeah. the stoner, Floyd. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
And also with, Elvis. Uh, Val Kilmer, yep. Oh, right? Val Kilmer played Elvis? I think Val Kilmer did the Elvis, oh, yeah. He yeah. must have, because I saw Val Kilmer's uh, name in the credits, but I never yeah. saw him in the movie. I and thought then, that was Brad Pitt. And Belky from Perfect Strangers, what's his name? He's in it. He plays Elliot. Yeah. You can forget about acting. Yeah. Your career is over. Quist. Sniveling little prick he is. Yeah. Jesus Christ. With a, a little lemon twist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You want an espresso? I, yeah, no, I'm fine. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. I'm putting your shirt. Yeah. A... I just rewatched no Tur- 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 Romance um, this afternoon and I had a lot of fun rewatching <laughs> it. I I could tell it wasn't a Tarantino film mm. as I was watching it, but I had a lot of enjoyment from scene to scene watching it. Thought Dennis Hopper was obviously only had the small the the couple of scenes. He had the scene early on with Christian Slater and then you know the following scene with, with Christopher Walken. <laughs> I hope uh, TW does another impression here. But he uh, he's that scene that 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 conversation between them is great. And Dennis Hopper is very I had speaking of underrated, Dennis Hopper is very underrated. Um so, yeah. but that's a great scene. That's a great scene between the two of them, two like, you know, professional actors going at it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a good scene, and I didn't really re. I enjoyed it rewatching it again today. I did. I knew it wasn't the Tarantino film, but I could see the the DNA there, the writing. Yeah, you know, it, it, it bleeds through in some of those yeah, scenes. It, right, right. In the right. writing, for sure. Yeah. GW. Listen, the movie is balls to the wall. Like it starts off kind of innocuous, and then suddenly it's just we're off to the fucking races. Like it's like we are just now killing people, and it's it's wild. I, I love True Romance. Don't get me wrong. I, I really oh, really James, love it. Sorry to interrupt you, but James Gandolfini. I, yeah, I I, that's the scene I was actually <laughs> yeah. just about to bring yeah. up. Was that's actually the scene that sticks out because I've never really thought of Patricia Arquette as a particularly great actress, but that scene with Gandolfini is torturing her when 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 Christian Slater just goes off to get some food. Yeah, and he shows up and he beats the shit out of her, and like that scene is about as intense as it gets. It's about as intense and as bloody. that final shootout in the end. Um, mm. It, I, I love the movie. Um, yeah, AJ, I think that you're onto something there. You're like, you can tell that the Tarantino um, aspect is in there because of the writing, but Tony Scott, you know, changed things up. Uh, Tony Scott is obviously a tortured soul. The guy offed himself back in 2012. Jumped off a uh, bridge. Yeah. Um, actually, his last film was a movie called Unstoppable with Denzel Washington. It's actually very good if you guys have never seen it. It's really good. Um, but I, I, look, it's a great, it's a great flick. Um, uh, I, again, I've never was a huge Patricia Arquette fan. Honestly, was never a huge Christian Slater fan. But I oh, love come them on, Heather's. Yeah, he's good in that. He's good at Broken playing. Arrow. He's, he <laughs> was never a huge fan. Anybody? But I, I think I think they both play the roles perfectly. I think they play off each other very well. I, I found both of them endearing in the movie, even in a completely and utterly psychotic role in what they were doing. Um, just complete and utter just destruction of everything in front of them but, but uh, i don't know I, I it's a good flick they you know they have that's got scene. a happy ending it's yeah fun. they have a scene where they they bang each other in a phone booth that was great i was a big yeah. fan of that <laughs> um uh it's not if i'm if, <clears throat> if we're taking it into collaborations of you know uh tarantino what he's done it's you know it's not in my favorites but i love the movie 
Yeah. I love them. AJ, it's one of those things like you were doing earlier. Like you and me have been quoting this thing to each other for fucking years, you know, like, Oh yeah. Your career is over. Like that whole thing. Like, you know, it's, it's really great. There's some awesome lines. I love the movie. So. Yeah. TP. I, well, it, nothing on true romance uh, in particular, but more b- before we wrap up, I just want to bring up some fun uh, connections with Quentin Tarantino. There's th- the obvious one of uh, Reservoir Dogs. You have Mr. Blonde is Vic Vega and uh, Pulp Fiction. His brother is John Travolta's Vincent Vega. Which there was actual plans to do a Vega Brothers movie with Ooh. Madsen and Travolta oh. that never ended up happening, which sucks. Because how I, fucking badass would a Vega Brothers movie be? I didn't know that. Or, yeah, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're brothers. Oh. Yeah, Mr. Damn. Blonde and Vincent Vega. Are brothers. There are so many more movie universes out there that we even fucking know, apparently. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, and the other fun one is uh, Natural Born Killers uh, Detective Jack Scagnetti. Oh, um, right, 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 right. Like, uh, apparently related to Mr. Blonde's parole officer. Jesus Christ. Parole officer Scagnetti. I love it. I love it. Yeah, it's these fucking crazy, like, little connections if that I'm, bring together Quentin's whole universe. If I'm writing, awesome. if I'm writing, and he was writing a lot of this stuff within the same few years. Yes. You know, yeah, I'm I'm sure. prob- I'm thinking to I'm doing that too, right? Like right? I'm sort of sharing the universe a bit. Yeah. Right? For sure. It's all for so. me happening in the same universe. Yeah. You know, so I think that's yeah. great. Awesome. Totally awesome. Does anybody have any final thoughts or words of wisdom about the Quentin Tarantino of the nineties? We didn't really talk about four rooms, but oh, yeah. it's probably le- better left unsaid. Yeah, I, I remember trying to watch that movie at one point, and being like, "No, it's it's interesting." Yeah, um, yeah Far Rooms is fun. It's Tarantino and Robert Rodriguez, and, and a I'll give others. anyone a million and, and, and a couple others. As AJ, said. tell me one of the other directors. Yeah, as AJ put it, and <laughs> a couple others. Nobody can. But Robert I Rodriguez. I looked it up a segment. week ago. I don't remember. <laughs> so, so I watched it. I don't know if you guys remember, but I worked at Blockbuster Video. Uh, Wait, what? what? <laughs> So it was in the favorite section. I did watch it at one point, but I just, I think I just watched it just hoping that Tarantino scene was cool. And yeah. Tim Roth is in it. He's sort of the, you know, he's the great. common, he's the common thread, right? He's the bellboy. Yeah, like I love his like bellhop. Yeah. His, his like flamboyant flares as he's like smoking cigarettes and like beep bopping down the hallway. And like, yeah. he was so, great in that movie. Right. So it, it, it's all right, but we're, we're not really going to get well, into Robert that Rudd. tonight. Robert Robert Rodriguez's segment in that was awesome with uh, Antonio Banderas and like mm-hmm. these these kids. That's the one with the body in the mattress. Yes, the hooker. Right? Yeah. It, that awesome. segment it starts out just kind of like uh, quirky family comedy fun, and then gets real dark. It ends with a dead hooker with like needles mm-hmm. in her arm that the kids find. The yeah. room catches on fire. The parents come home. Mm-hmm. I, I recall because I haven't seen it in a long, long time. I recall finding it entertaining when I watched it, yes. but you know, nothing I'd really I ever wanted to revisit afterwards. Ta- Tarantino's segment was, um, you know, the the whole movie is you guys know this broken down into what like twenty minute segments, fifteen minute segments, um, and t- 
Tarantino's part is just like a very much condensed Tarantino story. Like these guys, there's a bunch of characters. They're all cool. They're all shooting back and forth. There's shit going on in the background. Bruce Willis is like having a fight with his wife. He ends up getting a divorce like during this segment. Um, and Tarantino plays like the, the actor, the famous actor in this uh, group. And they end up making a bullet or a, a bet from one of the movies. I don't know if it's bullet um, where he has to light his lighter with one go. And if he doesn't, the dude chops his finger off. It just oh, seems God, like something yeah, that right. uh, Tarantino made up. Like sometimes in his stories, there's this lore within it that I've never heard of. And to me, I always just figured it's something that he's made up inside his own universe like this game like he'll reference something and um a lot of times it's to like older movies actors music and stuff but in this one and correct me if i'm wrong but he references some movie where if the guy can't light his lighter with one go then the dude's gonna chop his finger off it just sounds like something made up for the scene anyways the, the dude loses the finger and then tim roth takes his money and walks out of there and that's how it ends so it, it was really good. It's brief, but it's like a condensed mm. Tarantino, you know, escapade. AJ, are you playing PlayStation? Nope. No, no, no. I was just <laughs> trying to pull up uh, Rotten Tomatoes. But anyway, um, like, like I was asked, does anyone else have any kind of words of wisdom or anything they wanted to add about the 1990s Tarantino work? I think I got it all out. No, I think I think we got it all out. Like I said, I I, I love those human interactions in uh in, in in movies that are about some pretty rough and tough fucking guys and girls. Um, mm. I, I like I like the actually I, I I like the um I like how he was going with that. I, I like the direction he was going with that, and I think it 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 kind of translates into his later work as well. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I could so, um. Sorry, AJ, if I could just add on to that real quick. I was just wanted to say that um, I think like a good director, the 90s are like a standalone piece. Like these movies we've talked about, talked about tonight, they are like you can define them as the 90s Tarantino. Like his later work takes a whole different uh, feel to it and he starts right. telling his stories differently. So, you know, he evolves, exactly. but also kind of... Uh, doesn't necessarily i don't think the later works are uh better or worse it's just different like the way he starts telling them further down with kill bill and glorious bastards hateful eight all these um so yeah the 90s is these this tarantino era i guess is what i'm trying to say i will say uh one last thing which i i think we'll uh we, we will revisit uh as the season winds down but if there was a Tarantino movie that had Vault written all over it, it is Jackie Brown. Clearly, like that 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 is a movie council Vault movie. If I've seen one, which again, I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll, we'll talk yeah. about that later we'll get on there. this season. We'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. So I think that's a good place to stop. But the next time we do the part two of the retrospective. <clears throat> I've been thinking about this a little bit. We'll obviously get into Kill Bill Volume 1 and 2, which should be a fascinating discussion because I love Kill Bill Volume 1. I don't love Kill Bill Volume 2, but I like it. 
So yeah. I would love to talk about why, you know, when we get to that and followed by death proof. And then in Oh nine in glorious bastards. So I was thinking like the two thousands we would do that's four films. Mm-hmm. And then the 2010s with Django unchained hateful eight and once upon a time in Hollywood we would yeah. do for part three. Sure. That's like kind that. of the, that's that kind works. of the, sep- the separator there. So we mm-hmm. have to do four. We have to do four in one episode. I figured do four in the episode that we have Kill Bill Volume One and Two. Yeah, they're not one film, but the one. Yeah. Right. Right. Makes sense. So, so that's where we're gonna go next time on the Quentin Tarantino retrospective. So, you guys, Fantastic. thank you so much for your contribution. I thought the discussion was pretty awesome. So, mm-hmm. um, and and obviously we love Tarantino's work, and um, you know. Talking about it was pretty obvious for a movie console. I mean, for a movie podcast, but mm-hmm. doesn't mean we shouldn't do it. Yeah, yeah. You know, because it's obvious doesn't mean it's wrong. Yeah. Right. Right. You know? right, right. It needs right. to be done. It's so, obvious for a reason. So we're doing it. All right, boys. And, well, and, and this was great. Thanks. Yeah, guys. great job, guys. Tonight, like always. Um, I think I think it's a, I think it's me next week, right? I think you're correct. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's right. Shit. I gotta come up with something. I I don't you know I was thinking about the NIT tournament that we've been talking about. I don't I don't think we're ready for it yet. I think we're gonna do something else. Um. So yeah, Buddy cop but, movies now and then. Yeah, that's an idea. <laughs> that's an idea. Oh, interesting. Yeah, DP. Like we were talking about during one of the breaks, I was thinking about maybe uh, uh, doing the uh, uh, Boondock Saints movies, breaking those down. Yes, we can do that. Funny. That would be a lot of fun because, yeah. like, there's a lot to talk about because the first movie is fucking great, but it's also kind of awful, but it's great well, at the same time. Defoe. And then the second <laughs> one, which I haven't even seen, I refuse to see, but I would see it yeah. for the podcast. The second one is so. just awful, awful. So maybe, maybe, maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll do that. We'll, 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 we'll do that. I'm, uh, I'm surprisingly comfortable with that. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and I actually looked it up when we were talking. The second one is free on Hulu. Uh, the first one nice. you'd have to pay for if you wanted to rewatch it. The second it. one's going to be free on the streets. You can find it. <laughs> yeah, again, again. I know. What, what, what the, the girl that's in it, she's on Dexter. I, I forget her name. Julie something. She's a smoke show. Um, but I, I mean, that might be a fun topic where we go hey this first movie's great the second movie can gargle my balls and we just <laughs> shit on it for a while so that could be fun let me think about it give me the weekend to think i'll, I'll hit you guys up and uh we'll, we'll have a fun topic for next week um but uh unless you guys have anything else right yeah i'm ready you want to no. call it you call yeah, it call right. you want to uh, uh, dp you want to be like earl hebner and count to three you know finish uh. Yeah, sounds good. For myself, <laughs> for TW, for Marky, for AJ, we will see you guys next week. We're going to call it a night on the Movie Council podcast. Good night. Good night. 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 Love you, Mom. The Movie Council is adjourned. <laughs>